Welcome to More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is defined by more than your job title. I'm Rabia, an IT project manager, comedian, nonprofit volunteer, and sometimes activist. Every week, I'll chat with a guest about pursuing passions outside of work or creating meaningful opportunities inside the workplace. As you listen, I hope you'll be inspired to do the same. Welcome back to More Than Work. And uh, full disclosure, I'm really excited about this next guest. I've actually benefited from her company and the work she does, and I'm glad to be able to talk to her now. So she's the CEO of Meat Fight, Alice Lasad. Welcome, Alice. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thanks for joining me. So you just want to introduce yourself to the audience a little bit? Sure, sure. So my name's Alice Lasad. Um, I'm the CEO of Meat Fight Inc. And we are a nonprofit that is built to help people who are living with multiple sclerosis to tackle endurance events. And um, we also benefit the National MS Society and research to find a cure. Great. Yeah. And um, so I, I have a meat bike. And if, yeah. I tell, <laughs> if I tell a lot of people, they say, what kind of bike do you have? I have a meat bike. They're probably going to wonder what I'm saying. So Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's a so fun the, name. The bike is not built exclusively of bacon, um, but we do encourage you to wrap bacon around it every time you ride it. Um, so what we do is we give people living with MS the opportunity to um, take on a challenge with Meat Fight. And so the challenge is that if you agree to take on a bike MS event anywhere in the country, um, and those are usually like 150 miles over a couple of days, um, you agree to take that on and we will get you set up with a road bike or a trike or a hand cycle, depending on what your needs are, um, and a helmet and shoes and clips and pedals and all the things that you know, the, the gear that kind of goes along with cycling because there's a lot of it. Um, so yeah, me fight takes care of that for people living with MS so that they can take on epic endurance events because we know that exercise really helps mitigate symptoms and improves quality of life for people. And we've given 291 bikes nationwide at this point. Um, and it's, it's just become this crazy big program. It's really fun. And, and to see people take on these events that they kind of didn't think they could do, uh, previous to, to meeting our meet fight group is really, really inspiring. It is, it is. And one thing that, uh, I experienced with the program, not only having a bike that was a lot better than the one I had that I had purchased a long time before that but was just the support in the community, like on Facebook, for example, and meeting people. I was, I rode in San Diego, I think. Yeah. One of the rides was in San Diego and met some people who had traveled out to that ride to be on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, we had some riders from Dallas go out to that ride. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, They, they had a blast doing that one. And, and, you know, it's, it's just so fun to see our riders, do that. Like the community is so much a part of these bikes. We always say it's more than just a bike. When you donate to Meat Fight um, to help us purchase these bikes and, and equipment packages for people, um, like you said, it's it becomes this added community um, that we kind of didn't even know would evolve. There's now 500 people on our uh, bike team nationwide, whether they have MS or, or just support people living with MS. Um, we all ride together. And I think that's another fun part of our team. Um, you know, we all have the same Jersey, um, we're all out there riding together. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And there is an event coming up soon, an actual meet fight event. Yes. You know, I'll say the, the keywords of pivot and in these times, um, we are going to have a virtual event surprise everybody. (laughs) Um, usually we would gather about a thousand people in Dallas um, on November 8th. That was the plan. Um, but things changed a little bit. Um, so yeah, we'll have a virtual event online on November 8th. Um, and the cool thing about that is that, you know, if we had had an in-person event in Dallas, you know, everybody nationwide can't really join us for that, but this way, no matter where you are, you can participate in this event with us. We're going to have, 
um, special merch that you can buy online. And, you know, all the proceeds from that will go to the cause. We're going to have um, some chefs chime in because our main event is usually a barbecue competition. Um, if I didn't mention that before, that's kind of where Meat Fight was born. Uh, it comes from a barbecue competition kind of background, right? And so uh, the chefs we would usually have compete, they're going to be doing some stuff online for us that's going to be really fun. And there, there'll just be plenty of opportunities to support. If you want to buy a bike, if you want to support us in any way to support Research for a Cure, we'll have we'll have chances and links and all those kind of good things for you. Yeah, perfect. And we'll have some links in the show notes too. So anyone will be able Great. to look there, which is awesome. So you mentioned bike gear, bike gear, if I can, (laughs) that's a tricky one. So anyone wants to practice (laughs) talking, go ahead. Bike gear is a good one. But uh, my buddy and I were talking this weekend about it and how you can really end up just buying more and more and more. And I'm in London right now and it's a lot of rain and I didn't have rain in San Diego. Mm. So what's some of your, maybe your favorite gear? Cause you're in Dallas, right? So there's a lot of weather there too. Yes, my favorite rain gear for the bike is an old fashioned. Um, <laughs> staying home. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I don't like to ride in the rain, but people do. Um, and for those people, I recommend. Uh, you know, like we've got a, a, a rain, a wind jacket. You know, that's got the meat fight branding on it. Yeah, I don't know. Like they need to come up with like windshield wipers for my glasses on the bike. Like there's a whole bunch of. I'm I'm kind of a high maintenance like complainy rider so like if there's any element weather-wise that's going to come into play i'm out i'm like is it cold i'll stay home and have a whiskey is it hot i don't want to do it um but luckily in dallas there are plenty of other days of the week that are gorgeous and so it's fine i could i can be complaining in london it's probably a different story like better find that rain gear <laughs> yeah i i found out i needed a base layer so i've got that now ah yes you know? i i i hear tell of base layers uh <laughs> yeah and i'm like okay <laughs> you know cool that's the thing yeah um yeah i never thought you know being in texas that that staying warmer was a thing one would need to do um but yeah that's a thing i hear about yeah apparently you can get cold riding a bike <laughs> yeah, who knew <laughs> and the fingerless gloves you don't always get to wear those either so. yeah, i thought just madonna wore those but it's a <laughs> it's a thing you know um yeah don't don't try to look cool cycling i think that's the main thing that i've learned because that that doesn't exist like at the point that spandex is introduced to a sport looking cool is not an option I have a friend here who asked if I've joined the mammal mafia, but as a woman and it's, it's the um, men, let's see, middle-aged men in Lycra is what they call (laughs) (laughs) guys here riding their bikes and and I'm on mine and uh, I'm not a middle-aged man, but they, they thought, Oh, are you joining these guys? And kind of, I mean, I, but I like Lycra. I mean, I don't know. Um, Yeah. It can be slimming, you know? Yeah. Um, and also by the way, yeah, join those guys because you can draft off of them. You put them in front of you and you ride behind them and then it, maybe it's not raining. Maybe that's why I don't know about rain. I just put (laughs) a bunch of dudes in front of me and ride behind them and hide. Yeah. You're always drafting. Always be, always be drafting. Right. (laughs) That's true. That's true. It's easier than to always be closing, right? That's, exactly. That's brutal. And then, yeah, if not, just stay home and have, have an old-fashioned. I like that yeah. style, too. I think that's the best rain gear one can have. <laughs> <laughs> so in, were you a cyclist or are, uh, before having meat fight? Um, so, no. Um, you know, well, I was when I was eight years old. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I hadn't ridden a bike in decades, um, and, and in fact, so meat fight started in my backyard in, in 2010. Um, and we were just, it was just a fun barbecue competition that we created in the backyard just for a party, like no other reason. Um, and then later that year, my brother got diagnosed with MS and his first sentence sentence was like, Hey, I got this diagnosis. So you want to join me on this 150 mile bike ride over two days? Cause it's going to benefit, you know, everything. And I want to do it. Uh, okay. So we were just like, yeah, I mean, I guess we're doing this now because obviously we'll support you, you know? And, um, so that meant that we had to go buy bikes and buy everything cause we hadn't done it. And then you learn like, oh, there are different sizes of bikes for people depending on how tall you are and all that good stuff. I was like, oh, okay. It's only so high you can move the seat up, you know? And, uh, we had the, the moment of realization that you have to wear padded shorts and like be okay with that. So we got into cycling that way and 
it's, it's intimidating, you know, as a sport and those bikes go fast, uh, yes. but it's really fun though. And so I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, we're able to do this together as a sport. And, um, my kids now are big cyclists and they maybe wouldn't have been, you know? Um, and so, yeah, we've ridden thousands of miles now. Uh, and, and it's a whole thing we have, I, I think I have two bikes and my husband has two bikes. It's the whole N plus one thing. Mm-hmm. Ne- never enough bikes or gear. Um, I don't know if you, do you watch Portlandia at all? Yes. Or did I have. See, have you seen that, that one sketch they did that's like, get the gear? I think so. Yes. Oh my gosh. And they just, they freak out. Like they're, they're like, let's go for a bike ride. And then it's like hours later and they have all this like camping gear attached to them and all kinds of crazy stuff. Like we're living that it's real. Yeah. <laughs> No, and it's true because even I'll ride my bike like I think, oh, I'm going to go to the park, right? Like I was going to do a a gig in the park uh, for stand-up and I got on my bike and I thought, nope, I forgot this. I forgot that. Now it's like my mask. And I end up with this bag of stuff that's weighing my bike down and I go, how long am I going to be gone, really? Right. Like an hour. Exactly. You know, yeah. but I have to make sure I have everything. Uh, have- which I guess your car's like that. You throw so right. much stuff in your car, but... Yeah. Yeah. And we've had so many rides where like, it's, you know, our, our team in Dallas is about 200 people or so. And, um, so I always get to the start. I'm always late. So I get to the start line late. Right. And it's about, we're about to kick off and somebody on the team comes up to me, like I'm their mom. And they're like, Alice, do you have a helmet? Do you have an extra helmet? Like, bro, you forgot, like, that's, (laughs) that's what you forgot. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and, uh, we ended up getting the guy like somebody randomly had a skateboard helmet in their car. And so he rode wearing that and he came up to me and was like, thumbs up. I did it. I found something, Alice. Look at what I did. And I was just like, don't ride your bike right now. That's a dumb idea. <laughs> um, but he he did. And it was great. Uh, we've had people forget socks uh, oh. at the start line. Um, I had somebody, some guy showed up in the wrong shorts. He was like, I didn't bring the right shorts. And I said, that's a bad idea. Like, do not. Yeah get on the bike for many miles without the right shorts. So yeah, <laughs> you got, there's a lot of gear. Um, and we've also got team members now who, you know, our, our like super type a team members, which I love and are great to have around. And it's not me, but that's why it's important for someone else to be that <laughs> they have a, a, a packing list for like the night before the bike. Oh. Like it's like bullet pointed. And I think it's three pages long. I'm like, where are you putting all this? crap yeah, yeah how are you riding with all of that but, yeah it's like they almost need one of the sidecar or something exactly <laughs> exactly and then you find that also you know you just need the right like group of people in your like pack of friends who are riders I've got a friend who we gave an award to through meat fight one year um we called her as the team uh we called her the walking Walgreens um <laughs> because if you're like oh, I have a headache she'll pop up and be like do you need a Zyrtec is it allergies? Is it Tylenol? Is it, what do you need? Like, she's got it all. And I was like, you know, I think I need to eat something. She's like, do you want a banana? Do you want um, goo? Do you like, she has a variety of options for any, any possible ailment. So it's good to have one of those around too. Yeah. Nice to have someone prepared, right? <laughs> you know, exactly. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> That's good. Well, you got uh, a more difficult deal with your brother right away because I only had my sister and family do a 5k walk. So mm. I have to say like the 150 different. mile ride. Yes. Yeah. A little bit different approach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe less well, vigilance or something. I don't you know. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that kind of tracks for our family. It's not yeah. just like, I'd like to do this normal thing that a normal person would do. It's like, no, we're going to do the hardest possible thing to start. Let's just start there. It's amazing uh, though. And, and then move the needle back. <laughs> yeah. But that's great that he was, he went out and did that right away. So other than, the obvious benefit of helping your brother knowing you're having a direct impact on his life. Um, what's been the most rewarding thing about founding meat fight Inc. Oh man. Um, you know, it's so interesting because w- this really was not something that we started um, with the intention of having it grow and become my full-time job. Right. But man, I'm so glad that we, that our fundraiser that was just a little backyard fundraiser was based 
uh, in something that I really love. Like I really love barbecue. Thank mm-hmm. God it wasn't a golf tournament, you know? Um, <laughs> and so I think that's been the super rewarding thing. Like I get to make jokes about barbecue all day long. I get to, you know, talk about whiskey and beer and we have all these sponsors that just like benefit meat fight that I now happen to love. It's like helped me find things that I maybe wouldn't have found, uh, like whistle pig whiskey amazing and they found us because we were called meat fight they're like that sounds like a good pairing and it is it's great um so i think there's just a lot of fun things that come from it and and it it's the kind of event that just makes you laugh and smile right like Mm -hmm. that's what we do we try to be a little bit different than other events that are out there and so the benefit there for me is is the constant ability to make uh other people um, either uncomfortable or surprised by what we're doing. Like, like other people who run nonprofits don't think it's fair that meat fight can exist because we have so much fun. They're like, yeah. what, what the hell? Like, you know, when's your luncheon? And I'm like, screw you. We're not doing luncheons. Those are stupid. I don't want to go to that. Nobody <laughs> wants to like, I don't know. I don't want to go to a luncheon. So no, we're not having them. And they're like, well, but you have to, you're a nonprofit. No. We don't. <laughs> Instead, we're going to have a big, huge, you know, barbecue competition, or we're going to have um, the meat fight 1K because we were tired of doing 5Ks. So we decided to have a 1K instead. Um, and in fact, our 1K uh, really doesn't involve any actual physical ability needed. You just go from station to station eating barbecue. Like it's just a bunch of food vendors in a field and you just eat all of that. And then at the end, we give you a finisher medal if you can eat at 12 places or more. Um, And so, you know, I think, I think the breaking the rules part of it has been the most rewarding for me. There's, you know, whenever there's a standard that's like, this is the expected thing. It's really fun to mess with that. Um, To me, maybe not to everybody, but I I have a really good time with that. (laughs) I think so. I mean, I almost think it's poetic in a way because there's such an unpredictability to MS. It's not a very linear disease. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's always breaking rules. So you might as well yep. break the rules too. Were you ever involved in fundraising prior to this? That, like, was that something you had focused no, on in your life? It really wasn't. And um, in fact, when we had so we had the barbecue competition in the backyard just for friends and then when my brother got the diagnosis and we decided we were going to do the ms150 they have a, a fundraising minimum in order to do the ride as mm-hmm. you know and um so it's 300 per rider and my husband and i were like shit oh, sorry can i cut mm-hmm. on this thing okay it's okay yay yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry um, no no yeah you're fine. we were worried about getting 300 in fundraising you know acquired and so uh, we're like, we're, we'll have the party in the backyard and it'll just be for fun. Cause I'm not sending those emails. Like I'm not sending the email saying, Hey friend, I'm doing a thing. Will you give me money? I'm not putting it on the internet. Like, I guess Facebook wasn't as big of a thing back then, but like I wasn't doing it. Right. It was not the way I was going to get uh, the money. So um, the, the irony of that is like, literally that's my job every day now is sending that email to ask for money for our nonprofit. Like that's all I right. do. Now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we, we really didn't. And in fact, like we, with the way we had our party came out of the fact that we, I didn't like that kind of fundraising. I didn't like the idea of doing it that way. And so we, we tried to find our own way to do it. Um, that felt, felt better. Is that the right way to say that? I don't know. It just, it sort of feels weird to go online and say, Hey, I need you to support this. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, so we're, we're trying, uh, all the time to find a new way to do it. Um, we really like the idea of putting merch out there that benefits the cause because then people get something fun and funny of their own. And it also makes them feel good. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We're, we're just, it, it all came from just trying to uh, do things a different way. Yeah. Innovate on something that's been done, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about your career before this, then um, you've been a writer essentially mm-hmm. is that like the best way to put it so yeah yeah so I was in advertising um before this um I went to UT in Austin and got my uh you know copywriting advertising uh degree there and then had a job in Austin for a bit at an ad agency and then moved to Dallas and got a gig here um doing ads for McDonald's and Mattress Giant uh you know 
really, really stellar. Um, <laughs> and uh, then I started writing um, for the Dallas Observer, just a local um, paper, part of the Village Voice. Um, and I was doing event promotion stuff for them. They do these little blurbs. Um, and so I wrote about Kartoffelfest, which is a German food festival. And, um, you know, uh, Constantine Maroulis was oh yeah uh, from you know, at, the, at the Greek food festival. Um, so I got to write a little bit about him. Uh, fancy. So yeah, you know, I was, I was doing that writing on the side as I'm writing ads for McDonald's. Like I was just kind of cobbling together some stuff, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. And so then I started writing more for the Dallas Observer. I had a food column, um, called cheap bastard for a while that, um, I would review $10, uh, lunches in Dallas. Like I would go everywhere I could to find lunch for $10 or less. Um, and, and so that was really fun. That was my favorite thing, um, to do. And weekly I would have to find a new, usually pretty sketchy place to eat lunch. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah. So then the other thing was that I, as I did these reviews, I started to kind of meet a bunch of people in the restaurant industry. And so then when we finally ended up deciding to do Meat Fight as a as a competition to benefit the MS Society in my backyard, we had fancy Dallas restaurant owners as the judges of my friends. Like my friends mm. would, you know, bring brisket or ribs or sausage as their comp- category, you know, competitions uh, items. And uh, these judges would judge them. And then we give them a beer can trophy with a pig, a, you know, um, what do you call it? Just a, a piggy bank glued to the top. And then I bronze it super fancy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So interestingly meat fight has made it so that I can't write anymore, um, about these restaurants because now I have friendships and relationships with these restaurant owners. And that's, you know, not appropriate when you're reviewing things. Um, but man, thank God we've got these restaurant owners around and when we're trying to do everything we can to support them right now, but they have been the backbone of Meat Fight and they've helped us. They donate things every year. They donate food, they donate time. Um, if we didn't have them, we wouldn't have the success that we do. When you look at just your, so part of this podcast really more than work is to just talk about kind of how someone ends up changing how they feel about their work or how they feel about themselves in their work. Uh, one thing I talk about on the first episode is just how I was so invested in my job that I wasn't really able to do anything else, but it wasn't a job that was actually rewarding from a perspective of reflecting my values. Yeah. Have you felt a shift in yourself at all and how you feel by doing meat fight? And being yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if like I, the path is I went from doing ads for McDonald's to helping people nationwide living with MS feel better. Like for sure. Um, I have had a shift in how I like, like my job makes me feel good. It makes you feel good to, um, see somebody have a bike day and get accepted into that program. Um, all the programs we've created that help people, we, we have so many opportunities so frequently in this job to see people really have immediate impact. Um, not only donors giving the money, but then also seeing that money uh, make a real difference immediately in somebody's life. Like, yeah, I'm tearing up just talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's great. It, it's a, it is a certainly a feel good um, job, you know, until a vegan sees the Facebook page and then it's a feel bad job. Um, but <laughs> it's fine. And actually, we've given a few meat bikes to vegans. It's wonderful because the bike don't care. Well, you know, no. it's a bike. And I always tell the vegans, hey, I, you're more than welcome to come to the meat fight event. We have beer and whiskey and popsicles for you. Like we always <laughs> have, we always have something. <laughs> yeah. I, I worked in the cafeteria in college uh, and the chef that was working there, he he would get so annoyed when young women would come up and ask like, is that vegetarian? You know, yeah. and they'd point to chicken. <laughs> and so he would always say, <laughs> nice. well, so he would always say, well, the chickens were, and oh, is- <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst, but it was the that best. Is the worst. Right. It's the worst, but the best. Um, he was so this funny. Is, it was- this is why laughter comes. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, what? <laughs> and then 
you know, I'm standing there. These are my classmates. So do I laugh? Right. Right. You're like, I, that's that like middle range of, do I, is this a laugh? Can I laugh? Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a meat fight a while back and um, we actually had Nick Offerman judge the, he's Parks and Rec and some oh, other, yeah. you know, fancy things. And so every year we have a wild card category. So we always have brisket, uh, ribs, sausage, and then a wild card. And that can be any like food item. Um, and it just has to be smoked in the style of Texas barbecue. So, mm-hmm. um, it's been other kinds of cuts of meat in the past. Um, and it's, it's this one particular year that we had off from in there, it was salmon. Um, oh. and on his ballot, when he was judging, he just wrote salmon is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a framer. Um, but yeah, you know, I, we, we have friends who believe that chicken is, is vegetarian, a vegetarian item in itself. Um, I think that maybe comes from people just living in Texas. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our meat pyramid is a little different here, maybe. <laughs> It's like the cow's sacred for a different reason in Texas. Right, yeah, just, exactly. <laughs> it's not the same. When you think about two, it's one thing that came to mind is you went from writing and essentially being a copywriter and maybe managing your own projects and your own work in the sense that you were managing your whole thing with the Dallas Observer, but then you go to being a CEO. Is there What was that learning curve like for you? Yeah, it was fully fake it till you make it. Like, and even today, I'm like, I'm the CEO. Like, of what, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, it's you know, it's it's crazy because I'm I wasn't used to having that many people that are you know listening to me. Um, I didn't have a large team when I was in advertising of people, and now we have this huge base of volunteers who you know look to me for guidance um, about very important things like where are we going to hang the glitter pig? Um, You know, (laughs) like Alice, we called the dunking booth people and they will not allow us to fill the dunking booth with barbecue sauce. What are we going to do? Um, You know, so I have to answer all these questions. It's hard. Um, Good examples of things that (laughs) fight deals with that maybe my CEO doesn't deal with. Maybe a little different, you know, um, but still just as important. Um, You know, so I went to to them. I was like, we we obviously hang the glitter pig as high as possible. Um, And then also, obviously, you ask the Dunkin' Booth people if you can fill the Dunkin' Booth with beer instead of barbecue sauce. Um, that one came back also no, because apparently that will get you drunk. Didn't. Oh, um, so also you learn things, you know, as a CEO, (laughs) Um, we, you know, obviously we also have to make a lot of tough decisions about who gets bikes and who gets funded for our programs for people living with MS and how those programs are going to look, um, in the future, you know, like like right now, there's actually a bike shortage uh, nationwide. Mm-hmm. These bike shops, everybody decided they were going to go buy bikes because it's, you know, when you have time at home, well, you'd love to go ride a bike. Um, and so also then the manufacturers of the bikes had to stop producing bikes for a time because it was not safe to be all together um, in those kinds of uh, facilities. And so now there's this bike shortage. Like, we have people on our waiting list who have been approved for bikes at this time. And I can't get them onto bikes because they, the bike simply doesn't exist uh, for purchase at the price point that we can handle. Um, if I could pay $5,000 for a road bike, we could get a bike for somebody right now. But our lower price point of $1,000 um, is is just completely sold out. And so we're having a lot of challenges trying to trying to find shops nationwide to, to solve that problem. And, and we found one or two here and there. And, you know, it just that that becomes uh, a management situation that, you know, you, you never think you're going to have to answer those questions. Right. Um, and and in regular times, the other thing I didn't expect uh, from this whole job is is to basically become an event planner. Um, I was not an event planner before this. I had never hosted an in-person event for the public. Um, in fact, when chefs came to us and said, this should be a public event, you should, you could raise a lot of money if you made this into a public event. 
I was like, there's chefs in my backyard right now doing keg stands. Like this is not appropriate for public consumption. <laughs> and yeah. I'm not, like, how would this even happen? You know, there's, and I think another thing you learn, even as a leader is that it, it's not just you, right? It, you have to have everybody else helping. Um, and so you, you got to learn how to listen. You got to learn how to, um, how to, how to lead, which is a, a wild thing. But when everybody around you says you should try this and we can help you, it's like, well, okay, well, I guess we should, you know? <laughs> um, and we just kind of, we just kind of do our best and throw out ideas and see if they work. And I think our, our other huge learning has been, um, if you're ever going to take on something like this, if you have a DIY kind of thing that you want to try to get off the ground, always think about what if it works? Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of people think about the negative side. Like what if it doesn't work? What if nobody buys a ticket? What if nothing happens? Cool. But on the other side of things, what if it takes off in a way that you never expected in a way that means you end up quitting your other job so that you can keep it going? Like really make sure you like what you're starting because it's, I'm 10 years later and this is still my job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and thank God it's stuff that I love. And it's funny when you think about previously, you were pretty autonomous and some level, right? Oh, yeah. And then you kind of almost think, oh, well, if you're a CEO, you're autonomous because you're in charge. But it's actually the opposite. You become you have so many people dependent on you. Yeah. And you actually become beholden to a lot of people. And so it's just a different it's oh, very yeah. unique part of a job to be an individual contributor who's autonomous. You don't get that very often. You know, right, right. And, and yeah, and, and more also like, you are required to like, be the face of it, you're required to speak about the whole thing all the to do interviews on podcasts, you know, no. <laughs> it's people, everyone has a podcast. <laughs> it's a <the> whole thing. <laughs> no. it is. Oh, and it's great. Again, like I, I don't hate my job. I love my job. It's really, really good. And there are hard parts about it, like there would be because it's a job. Um, but, but yeah, I'm really lucky um, to be able to just like even like curate your own job. To create your own job is is something that people don't get to do often. Um, and so, you know, that's the other thing. If anything I don't like about my job is my own damn fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, do you have any advice or? that you received maybe that you kind of pass forward to others or a mantra um, that you like either one really. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the stuff that I have a hard time with that, like when I, when I started writing the cheap bastard comment column a long time ago, um, my editor would just be like, don't read the comments, you know? Um, and that was the best advice that I am pretty sure nobody can follow. <laughs> like all you yeah. want to do is read the comments, you know? Um, but, but not taking stuff personally, I think is a really big, important thing. Um, if somebody doesn't like what you're doing in, in, for your organization, it's for me, it's really hard not to take it personally because a lot of it is stuff that I created with my family, you know? Um, and so it's, it becomes this like hit uh, on me if, if it's, if they don't like it, if it doesn't work. Um, so I, th I think the advice of don't read the comments is great advice. I don't know if I'm, if people are able to follow that, but you should always have that in the back of your mind so that when you are reading the comments, <laughs> you know, you shouldn't <laughs> be. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think another thing that we always say is like, you know, you can't please everybody. That's also part of this. Uh, you really can't. It's true. It's fact. Yeah. Um, and so just, just, you know, you got to. Do your best and and keep your focus because um, I think a lot of it comes down to we have a very niche thing that we're trying to affect and help and and if we help one person in that way then we've we've done a good job and we want to keep trying to help that person or another person you know and and you just kind of grow in that way but sometimes people uh, want to want everybody to like it or everybody to approve of what they're doing or to help everybody. And I think focusing is, is a real important thing that we always try to do. We, we get run into problems when our scope gets too big and we kind of forget like, okay, our focus is 
getting people living with MS to believe that they can kick ass at an endurance event. Um, that's our job, you know? Yeah. And so the way we do that is we give them equipment to show them like, Hey, all you got to do is you got to get out there and train and, and watch, you're going to be a badass. Um, and then also making sure that you don't take, uh, I think another piece of advice is like, don't take credit that for, for things you didn't do. Uh, you know, when we give a bike to somebody and they go and they ride, it's like, we always want to focus on the person and say, they, they generally want to say thank you to us. Like without you, we wouldn't be able to do this, you know? And, and in part that's true. Like without us, you wouldn't have a bike, but maybe, um, but we didn't put your ass on it and make you ride 150 miles. Like you did that, you know? And so I can't take credit for somebody else's accomplishments in that way. And we shouldn't. And, and when we don't, and when we say it's a team thing and wow, look what everybody did individually, it makes such of a more like huge familial impact. You know, it's like this, this community grows, like you said, it's not just, oh, meat fight's cool. Cause meat fight did this. No, like you did this. Yeah, I agree. And it's just enabling people and it's also encouraging them. I mean, when just speaking as someone who knows firsthand with the MS part of it, I just think that there, at least for me, when I was diagnosed, one of the first things I thought was like, I'm not going to be able to walk. I mean, that was, I was 19. And so one of the first things was the only person I've ever seen with MS is in a wheelchair. So that's it. And then you have a program like meat fight that's saying, Oh, here, we know you can do this. You probably just need Mm -hmm. equipment. We can help you with that and go ahead. And that's pretty amazing. It's just kind of giving the person something that they maybe were starting to take from themselves, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of that is, is credit to my brother, you know, um, when we started meat fight, we didn't have a bike program, right? Like that, it was just raising money for the national MS society. Um, and, and when we crossed the finish line on that first bike ride, my brother was like, this is really cool. And then, uh, he saw there's like a a tent at the finish line of people living with MS that the MS society puts up. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, they're cheering and they're happy and they're, uh, you know, just right there to support all of the riders who are doing the ride. And my brother said, you know, that tent's really cool, but it would be even cooler if every single one of those people that was sitting in that tent was instead out here on this ride, doing this ride. And I was like, yeah, but like bikes are expensive, dude. Like who's going to get him that bike? You know, <laughs> negative always. <laughs> and, um, and he's like, well, what if we, what if we talk to the MS society and we, we, you know, contribute to the program they surely have that helps people living with MS get bikes. And I was like, that sounds great. That's a great idea. We'll, we'll just like push the money that way. Um, and then we spoke to the MS society and they said, that's really just not something they can do, um, because of the cost of the bike and, and the amount of money that would require them to give to one individual at a time. Right. They have to spread their dollars out. They just have a different focus than that, which is fine. Um, and so then we were like, well, well, what, what does it take to start a program like that? Like if we just say it's a program, like, can we start giving bikes? And they were like, well, I mean, you're a nonprofit, like you can do what you want to do. Right. (laughs) Um, and so we did, we, we just decided like, instead of taking that roadblock, I try to get back to your question about like advice. I think that sometimes people, you know, we, we could have gone to that meeting and said, Oh, well, there's no program. Oh, well then we don't do it then it doesn't happen. You know, um, instead of depending on somebody else to act, we act. And I think that's another big part of what we do when we get, when we encounter a roadblock, like, Hey, there's a, there's a ride called the bike MS and it's nationwide. What's the percentage of people living with MS who actually ride that ride? Mm -hmm. Very, very low. And why is that? Well, it's because the, the, the ride itself doesn't advertise to people living with MS that they should be doing this. Like they could hype that all day long. They know it's good for, for symptoms, et cetera. Um, and so we're trying to help with that. We're like, okay, well we can be an like advocate for that. And we want to spread awareness that people living with MS can do this. That's another big part of our job. Like, like you said, the first time, you know, when you get diagnosed and that's the first thing you think of is, is uh, I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z if meat fight can step in and help you immediately know you get diagnosed and then it's like, you know what? I, I can do this. And in fact, I'm going to do more than I did before. 
mm-hmm. how badass is that? You know, we've got a guy um, in Colorado who got his bite, like got diagnosed, heard through his neurologist about what Meatfight was doing because this neurologist was awesome. And they were like, this is what you should do. And he applied for a bike and uh, we gave him a bike. And then right after that, he applied for another program that we have called Project 13, which supports 13 athletes living with MS to take on some like crazy epic thing. Like at this point, it was a half Ironman, um, which is a 1.2 mile swim in the water. Somebody will correct me on that if it's wrong. Um, Followed by a 56 mile bike ride, I think. And then followed by a half marathon. Right. So boom, boom, boom. You do all three of those things. And that's, they call that a half. Iron yeah. That's half a lot of something. Um, and, uh, and so then this, this guy from Colorado took that on as well. Um, and in the same year did a, a marathon with us or a half marathon um, in wow. December. And he said to us, you know, a year that could have been really devastating for him, in fact, turned into a wonderful year where he had all these accomplishments and it was really a positive experience. And now he has this community of people living with MS, supporting people living with MS, um, who are doing epic things nationwide. And it, you know, it it makes a difference. Um, so, so yeah, not, not sitting back saying, all right, the problem is people living with MS have so many bills that they can't just buy a bike also. So how do we take down that barrier? How does Meat Fight help make sure that we just take away all the barriers so that you can go do something like Bike MS or something like a Half Ironman? And so that the only thing keeping you from tackling something crazy is your own personal like training, which you have control mm-hmm. of, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think instead of waiting for someone to act, act yourself. Like handle it, yeah. handle your business. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> me too. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's great. So I have a uh, five questions. I call them the fun five. All right. Alliteration, I guess. And so let's just go through those. Uh, what's the oldest t-shirt that you have and still wear? Not even like trying to hype my own brand is the meat fight shirt from 2010. Okay. <laughs> so it's our wrestlers shirt. We call it got a cow and a pig on it and they look like pro wrestlers um it used to have gold foil print on it and now it has like faded away um it used to when i wore it if you walked through a uh, metal detector like i worked at the airport one time and i set it all off um (laughs) which is like (laughs) didn't think about that one uh when we printed it and sent it away to everyone you know so that's that's my oldest t-shirt in 2020, a lot of people are saying it's like Groundhog's Day every day, right? Yeah. So if it were Groundhog's Day, what mm-hmm. song would you have your alarm clock play? Okay. And now I'm trying try to remember in the movie, it was I like something you. nice. Yeah, yeah. And it, so it could be something. Is this something I would like haunt my dreams that it shows up every day? I feel or, like, like it in would a become, movie, yeah, you would get over it at some point. Yeah, like I don't want to ruin a song I actually like. So I'm, I'm trying to, I guess this means it, it should be a song I already hate and then makes me hate life even more. Like, That's a good strategy. Sorry, I'm, I'm strategically trying to figure this out because the thing is in the beginning of Groundhog Day, like you, you're, you're living life. Like you could make things better if you started with a song you like. You're going to hate, you're going to ruin a song you like. So if it's a song I hate, it would be... Matthew McConaughey singing Jingle Bells. <laughs> that's that's what it would be every day. Um, if it's a song I like, it would be The Rock Dwayne Johnson singing Sia's Chandelier. Nice. Yeah. I, like I think that would be great. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what happens because you might have to order one of those on Cameo or something. Right? Yeah. I'd be like, I'm sorry. It is Groundhog Day. So now you have to do this. I'll just call him. I'll just be like, hey, 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 DJ, it's Alice again. Um. (laughs) All right. So coffee or tea or neither? Oh, coffee. Always. How do you take your coffee? In my face. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) Um, I... 
I I will put creamer in it if I if we have it. If we don't have it, I don't need it. Like I could not survive without it at this time. Yes, I I totally get that. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> so we're on question four. When was the last time you laughed so hard you cried or just couldn't stop laughing? Recently, I, I hurt myself. I broke my toe. Um, the way this happened, this was last week. Um, so my kid Wes has uh, virtual school, both my kids do. And, um, every morning they do the pledge of allegiance. Right. And so it's like my, it's been my thing that I'll like, wherever I am, I like pop around the corner and we say the pledge of allegiance together. Um, and in Texas, they also have a Texas pledge. I don't know if you guys have that anywhere else. But like, so you say the Pledge of Allegiance to the United States, and then you also say like the Pledge to Texas, which is the very Texas. Um, and so anyway, like this is what we do every morning, right? It's our thing. So the other day I was sitting on the couch and I was around the corner from where he has his virtual class and I heard the pledge starting and I was just drinking my coffee and I was like, oh shit, I'm going to miss it. And so I go to like hop off the couch, right? And like, I'm going to run around the corner. But you didn't get to the run around the corner part because there was this ottoman in the way. It was a total asshole and it didn't move. And my foot like, whoa, like, like just right, right into it. And so then I'm hobbling around my house and I'm like, oh, it's broken. Like, that's what I yell, right? right. Oh, F-bomb, right. it's broken. Cause I can tell it's broken. Cause it's like sideways, you know, oh, like it's just wrong. Yeah. Like it's just, and it's my, it's not my big toe. It's, it's uh, my, I guess you call it my ring toe. It's like a lesser toe the one next to my pinky toe. Right. Um, and it's just wonky. So anyway, I <laughs> then realized that usually second grade is muted, but during the pledge of allegiance, it is not muted. And, um, so it kind of went like to the United States of America. Oh, it's broken. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe accurate. Um, I was going to say like, like, you know, um, and so, so anyway, um, then I was like, it's fine. It's, it's fine. Um, so I tape it up, you know, call it a day, like put on a shoe. We're going to walk it off. Um, and what can they do for a toe anyway at a doctor? And I don't want to go in a building like, no, we're going to, we're going to stay home. It's fine. So then a couple days go by and it's like coloring up very nicely. As my mom would always say when like we hurt ourselves, <laughs> um, bad bruising. Right. So finally I'm like, I got to go to see the podiatrist. So I do. He tells me my little toe is bro- broken in at least five places. Like how, how even. Yeah. And like, I guess like I have like finger toes, I guess like they're so big, that it's five places. I don't, it's wild. Um, and so anyway, all of that is the backstory. And then the other night I was talking to my husband and I was like, yeah, it's just like, you know, we, he said your toes like a skin bag now. Like it's not even a real toe. It's just like the idea of a toe, you know, like we just kind of were riffing on that whole scenario. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's just like you, you just take a Snickers bar and you smash it. <laughs> and that's my toe, you know, and. So, so yeah, we, that was the hardest I've laughed. 45 minute answer to your question. Like it's, that was the most recent time I laughed so hard. I cried because it was like partly actual crying for like the pain uh, of the, you know, sometimes that story pain really makes you like laugh, cry. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Yeah, and his poor little zooms lighten up. He's just like, yeah. We know. Oh my God. I texted some, one of the other moms. I was like, oh my God, did you just hear me like cuss my brains out? Um, please tell me you did it. She was like, I think I missed it. I wish they were recording it. I could rewind, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, All right. And, good time. All right. And the last one of these, these fun five, and that was fun. So thank you. Uh, who, <laughs> who, who inspires you right now? Man, I have so many like bad answers that I wanted to say right then. I won't say them. 
I don't know if you've seen Rihanna's stuff that just like has popped up today. There's a show on Netflix that's like Rihanna's Fenty, uh, her new like her clothing line. It has like some lingerie um, and there's like a whole Netflix like it looked like a concert about it. Right. Like but it's just mm-hmm. her showing off her new line. Um, and she's doing an awesome job of representing all different body types um, in these, you know, ads on there's print ads, there's this thing on Netflix, it's all over the place. Um, and there's this guy in these, uh, promotions that she's doing, who's awesome. He's just amazing. And he inspires me and she's a badass for including all different kinds of people. Um, and so that was my like today. Wow. They're cool. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. So Rihanna, that'll, that'll be my activity later. We talked a little bit earlier, but do you just want to remind everyone about what the date is of the virtual event? Oh, yeah. So uh, Meet Fight will have our next virtual event on November 8th, um, and it'll, it'll be on Facebook.com slash Meet Fight, um, and we'll have all kinds of merch you can buy to support us. Obviously, you can click the donate button on Facebook, and there'll be a bunch of different ways to, if you have money to throw at us, we will give you a bunch of different ways to do it, um, and we will turn all of those dollars into something that will immediately help somebody living with MS in a like way that you can see it online very quickly. Okay, super. Well, Alice, this has been awesome for me. So thank you so much for thank taking the you. time. To Thanks to so me. much. Now I'm going to have this like Groundhog Day nightmare about what song I got to listen to. Exactly. <laughs> what song you'll sacrifice. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. The music you're probably moving to by now is by Joe Mafia. Find him on Spotify. That's Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. And Rob Medke is responsible for our visual design. You can find him online by searching for Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Thanks, Rob. Let us know who you'd like to hear from or about your own experiences defining yourself outside of work at More Than Work Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Give us a follow. Or visit our website at RabiaSaid.com. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to More Than Work. We'll be back next week with another guest. In the meantime, while being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself. 